Hey guys, before we listen to the next podcast episode here, I just want to remind you that our deadline for stories for the upcoming show is November 22nd. That's Thanksgiving Day. We forgot to mention it in this episode. So November 22nd, get us your stories, submit them on our webpage, or email us directly at alstoryshow at gmail.com. Thanks. Hey, Story Show podcast listeners, Jeremy here, along with... Angie Zoller-Barker. We are back for episode three of the season three of the Story Show podcast, and we are excited to continue promoting our next show, which will take place on January 12th at the Marion Ross Performing Arts Center in Albert Lee, and the show is... Gimme Shelter, with Charity uh, being the Humane Society of Freeborn County. Nice. We're... Totally excited about this theme. I think we talked about it in the last couple of episodes, but what a great theme. I'm really excited. You should be because you came up with it. I know. I'm so smart, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember what the lame was, the lame one was that I came up with, but this one is definitely better. So, yeah. So, yeah. 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 Yours was bad. So where can folks uh, submit their stories? Uh, two ways. You can either go to our website, thestoryshow.org, um, and there is a contact us page. You just click on that. And you submit your story. Easy peasy. It's like two button clicks. Or <laughs> you can email us directly, thestoryshow at gmail.com. Is it The Story Show or AL Story Show? It's AL Story Show. Dang it. I went from being like the good one, <laughs> and now and now you have the crown back. Well... I will hold it until I screw up. Fair. Okay. All right. (laughs) So our next story, uh, Mm -hmm. story number four, this one closed out act one, right? Yeah. Oh, and and closed it out. Like brought down the house. Yeah. And, you know, so in producing these shows, we do a read through, right? With every, we get the stories, we edit them, we give them, we give folks suggestions, and then we bring everyone together for a read through, right? And the read-through is great, and we sort of have an idea about the order, right? Yeah. But then the read-through kind of reinforces that. Yeah, it really lets us know like the, the how they vibe together. Because it's yeah. not just about each individual story. We have to think about like how we tell those stories as a whole. Right, and we, yeah, how we tell the stories as a whole, how the show itself builds, you know? Yeah. Because you don't want... You don't want all the funny stories together. And, you know, you've got to space things out mm-hmm. and think about what you want to leave people with at intermission. And the problem with this story was he wasn't there. Nope. <laughs> he was so, not. Yeah. So, Nate, you, can you tell us a little bit about Nate? You've got quite yeah. a history. Okay. So, Nate uh, and I go way back. He is one of my brother's best friends from high school. So, I've known Nate, like, literally since he was a little kid. Um and my brother, how this all came about is my brother was telling a Nate story. That's what we call him. He was just telling us a story one night uh, this summer. And I'm like, man, Nate is a good storyteller. And like a light bulb just. Boom. Yep. And I was like, you got to give me Nate's number. Like, stat. <laughs> so I reached out to him and he was like, ah, I don't know. Maybe. Like, I, I think so. I could probably do it. Let me know. Like, he teaches in this school year. Like, we can't commit or think about anything outside of our classroom. So you're inside. pitching the summer thing. I'm pitching it. I'm yeah. like, it's going to be awesome. Let's do it. 
Um, <laughs> don't hear from him. Crickets. Reach back out. Don't hear anything back. And I'm like, I got to stop harassing this guy at some point. <laughs> right? So he's, he's a social studies hit. teacher yep. ha- half a state away, right? Like he's... Yeah, up yeah, north. Yeah. Um, and then I go on vacation with the fam. It's July. We got the story show set. Eight stories. We're ready to go. And then out of nowhere, boom. <laughs> Nate drops the greatest bomb in our lap. Um, I read a story and I immediately forwarded it to you and Riley and was like, I know this is behind, but you have to read this immediately. Right. And <clears throat> I sprained my eyeballs from the role that I did because I'm like, <laughs> we've got eight good stories. Yep. And don't, you know. So I read the story and it's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. And Riley had the same reaction. And. Minimal feedback, like mm-hmm. just, you know, and it's it's great. And I hadn't met Nate, but you had told me what a great storyteller he was. So I knew yeah. the performance was going to be good, too. Well, I so I was sitting in New Jersey in a hotel room <laughs> reading this story, um, just like crying. I was laughing out loud so hard. Um, and but but I could imagine how Nate was going to perform it. So like in my head, that's who was telling me the story. And I was dying. And I'm so glad that that translated to everyone else. And you all got to experience the oh, uh, one wonderful. man show in my head that I saw. So yeah. yeah. So well, should we should now we... that now that we've hyped it up? Yeah. Now, did you have something else you were going to say about Nate? About Nate? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but it, it's okay. I mean, I mean, I can tell it. But. <laughs> well, go ahead and tell it. I'll edit it out if it's lame. Okay. So uh, when my brother was in high school, he they, like they're, they're dudes. They pranking each other, right? And I don't know if Nate has ever known this or not. So this might be a story show exclusive, guys. Going down right here. Um, my brother was going to school PSEO for mechanics at Riverland, and he went over to Nate's house one night and took out a spark plug. <laughs> so, so Nate's car wouldn't start. So of course Nate calls my brother, like the one guy he knows Who that's knows wrenching on stuff. cars. Yeah. <laughs> my brother rolls up, pops the spark plug back in, the car fires up, and Nate was like, my hero, you fixed it. You're a genius. I don't know what you did. <laughs> Let me go buy you dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so my brother got a free dinner. Je- this is your brother Jeff? Uh-huh. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, I'm just that good. Yeah. It's like, that's that's how we do it. Thanks for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, from what I've learned about Nate, he probably deserved that. (laughs) You know, so it's good. Good stuff. All right. Well, uh, let's hear the story, huh? Yeah. Fantastic. Let's get to it. Let's stop talking. All right. So this is Pass It On by Nate Peterson. Enjoy. Nate Peterson. A teacher, son of a teacher, grandson of a teacher. (laughs) Nate is continuing a legacy that either loves to educate, expand and open minds, or loves having summers off. He will tell you that his summer gig of daddy daycare for his two young children is much harder than his teaching gig, simply because his students enjoy listening to his stories and rarely spill milk all over the floor five days in a row. Nate coaches baseball in Delano because he likes free hats. Nate loves to travel wherever his wife books the next trip, which is usually a beach in Florida, cabin up north, or the country inn and suites in beautiful Oberly. 
When not teaching, coaching, Danny Day caring, or traveling, he plays hockey on Thursday nights, which means he's missing tonight's game for this, and he's probably secretly hoping his team loses so he knows he's still needed. <laughs> this is Pass It On by Nate Peterson. When I hear your light shine, I think of none other than John Winthrop. I'm a social studies teacher, I have a problem. <laughs> See, John Winthrop was a Puritan and one of the founding members of the most successful colonies in America, the Massachusetts Bay Colony in 1629. Now, he gave a sermon shortly before leaving England, preaching that this new colony that they were about to set up must be a city on a hill, that the eyes of the world would be watching, and that they would need to be a model of charity unity and affection to each other and God. Quote, we shall be made a story and example for all. Winthrop was enthralling his people to let their light shine. Now, this city on a hill moniker has been mentioned and repeated by numerous Americans since then, especially politicians, usually just to brag and bestow all this idea of American exceptionalism that we need to let our light shine and that the world needs to see us because we're awesome. We need to show everyone that we're awesome, but we also need to tell them that we're awesome as well. Which is funny to me because usually awesome people don't have to tell people that they're awesome. They're usually that annoying kid in the locker room after the game, hey, did you see how awesome I was out there? I mean, have you ever in your life ever said, hey, you know who's awesome? That guy who's continuously telling us how awesome he is. Which don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. I do think this country is the greatest. Unfortunately, per his sermon and the phrase, it was not that it was not what Winthrop had in mind. You need to remember he was a Puritan, a group of people that worked from dawn to dusk six days a week and then went to church for hours on the seventh. He was part of a group that a hundred years later during the Great Awakening would try to scare the hell out of people just to get them back into religion with like sermons like sinners in the hands of an angry God. So what was Winthrop really talking about? It's not bad. In fact, we can actually learn from it that our charity, our unity, our affection to God, but also each other are being watched and we need to be a shining example for all and to, or for, excuse me, for all to see and follow. So who here has let their light shine? Ben, a city on a hill. Don't raise your hand. This is rhetorical. As a part of a study, I was selected to go with a group of other prospective teachers to work at an inner city school in Charleston, Massachusetts, which is a part of the Boston Public Schools, for a month when I was a junior at University of Minnesota Duluth. It was a study on inner city schools revamping themselves and how they were doing. It was a pretty sweet experience. The year was 2004, and the Red Sox were still in the midst of the curse of the Bambino, which is an 86-year drought of winning the World Series. But they had been a dominant team during that time uh, on knocking on the doorstep of the World Series the previous few seasons, and their fans were very passionate. Well, they played in this ballpark called Fenway Park, which seats less than 40,000 people at the time, and they were currently on a streak of selling out every game, a streak that would stretch on for over 10 years. But I wanted tickets. Now, the only game that we could go to due to our schedule was on a Memorial Day, and it was going to be 75 degrees and clear, like perfect weather to watch a first-place team. We asked around, patrons, bartenders, everyone, and everyone said the same thing. Scalping tickets is the only way now, and it's gonna cost you at least $100, even for the cheap seats. 
while I was a junior in college, living in Boston for a month, and had about $150 left in my spending account, and still had two weeks to go. Mind you, back in 2004, we were used to going to the Metrodome to watch the Twins on student night for $5. But this wasn't the Metrodome. This was a historical stadium and a potential historical team. Sunday night, the night before the game, four of us, future teachers from Minnesota, went out to enjoy Boston's nightlife. It was the night before Memorial Day, don't judge me. And <clears throat> maybe you find some tickets as well. Last call in Boston is 2 a.m. So we make one more stop, grab one more, and chat. When across the bar, this man in a perfectly crisp white shirt with an equally crisp white hair said to us, hey, you guys from Minnesota? We said, uh, yeah, how'd you know? He said, you can tell. <laughs> Anyways, he tells the bartender to get us another round, so you know, like any good Minnesotan, we feel guilty, so we buy him one back, right? And this goes on for another hour past bar closing time. Uh, we get to chatting, his name is Don, and Don has lived in the Italian north side of Boston his entire life. He was a diehard New England sports fan, the Red Sox, Patriots, Celtics, Bruins. So I get up the nerve to ask, so Don, we were thinking of going to the Red Sox game tomorrow. What do you suggest we do? He said, are you kidding? You don't get anywhere near that field for less than $100. i tell you what, I like you guys. I will try and help you out. We exchange numbers, buy one more round, and move on. The next morning, I was giddy. Like, did that just happen? Is Don really going to get me tickets for less than $100? He knew my budget, and at this point, I was willing to spend ninety-five. And then I began to budget, how was I going to spend the remaining 55 for the next two weeks? Pretty sure plasma clinics were brought up. <laughs> you guys we called Don up at about 9 a.m. after, you know, about four hours of sleep. But, uh, but the game was at noon 15, and it would take us about 30 minutes to get down there via the subway, a.k.a. the T. Uh, what they call it in Boston. And so we had to follow a plan. Don answers, clearly not as excited as us as we had the same night before, but he did not have the same adrenaline as we did about going to the game. Don said he'd call us back when he figures things out. One hour goes by, no call from Don. I call him, but I should tell you Don was a little on the scary side. You didn't really want to mess with Don. He answers and quietly says, Nate, I told you I'll help you. Now, in my head, I'm like, but it takes like a half hour to get there, and I want to find the seeds. I've never been to Fenway. I just want to experience everything. Come on, already. But instead, I said, okay, thanks, Don. <laughs> After 30 minutes, we decided to take the tea down to the park, waiting patiently for his phone call. Now, Fenway has bars that like butt up right against the stadium, so you can literally hear what's going on in the game while you're watching on TV. 11 o'clock comes and goes, no phone call. We find some seats up at the bar and think, well, this Don's probably a hack. This is closer than any of my chump friends will get to Fenway. Let's just post up here. Maybe I won't have to give plasma. <laughs> 11.30, no phone call. The other guys I'm with demand I call him, but either my fear of Don or my courtesy got the best of me. I decide not to. 11.45, 11.50, 11.55, noon, 05, my phone rings. It's Don. Like, that's how he answered it, even before I said hello. It's done. <laughs> it's pretty badass. Anyway, he asked, he asked if we were down at the field. Well, 
We said, yes. He said, perfect. A man named Dan is going to call you in five minutes. Now, mind you, it's loud at the bar. It's confusing. So I went, wait, Dan, like, you're going to call me in five minutes? He said, no, Nate. Dan. <laughs> so I get out the phone. I'm a little spooked, and my friends are begging to find out the information. I, I said, um, Dan's going to call us in five minutes. They're like, who's Dan? I'm like, I don't know. What the hell are we doing anyway? Five minutes later on the nose, though. Dan calls. I answer the phone. This is Nate. Kind of like taking a page out of Don's book. <laughs> and his answer is not the friendly, hey Nate, how are you? My name is Dan. Instead, it was Nate, where are you at? So I tell him we're at the bar that we're at, and he said, perfect. Or I am like, perfect. Because he's from Boston, thick accent. So I walk into the park. What do you look like? So I describe myself. And he said he had a blue Boston hat and a blue shirt on. You know, like everybody else does. So. so we start walking. We have no idea what kind of money we need or what kind of person this was or what he even looks like. Everyone down here looks the same. We get to the entrance when all of a sudden I hear, Nate, 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 Nate. And he flops down four tickets, six rows behind first base, $150 face value tickets. We were like, holy shit. Um, so we don't have that kind of money ready. I don't know what we're gonna do. And he said, da, 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 da. don't worry, Aaron's got it. Who's Aaron? <laughs> so we tried to give him some money. And again, he said, no, don't worry about it. He's got you covered, enjoy the game. Well, we did. Hopefully Aaron's not floating in a river somewhere. <laughs> And we go in, six rows behind first base. I called Don to thank him for the tickets. He said, I'll never forget, Nate, enjoy the game, enjoy my city, enjoy your life, but do me a favor, pass it on. That's not the kind of guy Don was, but thanks for saying that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Don showed charity affection in his own way, and unity and appreciation of Fenway, just like Winthrop said to do. And he beckoned me to do the same in my life, to be a city upon a hill for all others to see. You see, Don did this in Boston, one of the first cities of the Massachusetts Bay Colony, the colony that was chartered by John Winthrop. I reflect constantly on this day. What am I doing to continue his legacy? So I have a request and a question for you. When you reflect, how does your light shine? Thank you. The Let Your Light Shine Story Show was produced by Riley Wirth, Jeremy Corey Greenis, and me, Angie Zoller Barker. Visit our webpage at thestoryshow.org and keep checking out our podcast. You can find us where you listen to your favorite podcast. Search for The Story Show in quotes.